Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Athletic. prize of springtime is heading home to Anfield. Liverpool for a record 10th time. Liverpool as if by right. Liverpool again. Carabao Cup winners. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here at Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Have you calmed down yet? Well, you shouldn't, because you experienced on Sunday one of the greatest things ever to happen in the history of time, as Bill Shankly might say. Yes, Liverpool took the first trophy of the season. I haven't slept since, and if you have, then you're an Evertonian. We'll talk about the Carabao Cup win, as well as discussing Klopp's greatest achievements as a manager of... Greatest achievement! Greatest achievement! The greatest person of all time will make him. Oh, well, we'll do that with James Pearson, Simon Hughes. As usual, though, let's start with the three words. Sigh. If you have no three words this week, I'm not going to berate you because I understand you'll have been struck mute by the magnitude of what you witnessed. Wow. Yes. Um, I mean, I just think, I know there's been so much focus on the, on the young players, but I actually think that the, the senior players really stepped up as well. I can't think of many performances where the two centre-halves, I thought, you know, played as well for Liverpool, really. So that's for, for that reason, I'm just going to say Virgil van Dijk. I like it. like it. James. I will go for Klopp's Kindergarten Heroes. Let's see what's going on for the Walk On Podcast Facebook group, where everyone has been really restrained. Brian Stevenson says, first of four. Mark Hannon, loving the ride. Brian York, last gasp heroics. Kieran Callaghan, the Kelleher Cup. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Okay, let's just take a second to be calm. Let's just take a second to think about... No, 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 James! How brilliant was it? Oh, it was sensational. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, a day that will certainly live a long time in the memory banks. It was... you, You kind of thought you'd just about seen it all with Liverpool in major finals, and I think... I think no no Liverpool fan would have gone to Wembley or watched watched it unfold from afar, thinking it would be straightforward because it never is with Liverpool, is it? And whenever they go to to major finals, they tend to put us through the ringer. But yeah, certainly in my lifetime, I can't think of anything comparable in terms of how they won it in those circumstances. You know, I think we we all knew that kind of Salah, Nunes, and Zabozlai wouldn't make it, and you thought, well, that 
that suddenly does, you know, swing the balance back, you know, when you think Liverpool absolutely demolished Chelsea just over a month ago, but suddenly it was Liverpool without 11 senior members of the squad. Then you see Ryan Gravenberg um, stretched off after that horrendous challenge from Caicedo. And and you kind of thought, especially as Liverpool tired and Klopp had to take off, you know, players like, you know, Gagpo and McAllister and Robertson, of course, you, you thought, well, common sense dictates that Chelsea have to win this now because it's certainly an extra time. You kind of look, it, 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 that was the kind of lineup you, you'd expect Klopp to maybe field in the third round of the FA Cup against Rochdale, not not in a major final with a piece of silverware up for grabs, but to a man, they were magnificent. As as Simon said, you know, the the senior pros guided the young boys absolutely brilliantly. Van Dijk, you know, an inspiration. And that just made it all the all the sweeter when the big man popped up with that dramatic late winner just, just when we were all starting to think it would come down to penalties. Say, you watched it, I believe, from a champagne bar in Wembley. How the other half live? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've changed, yeah. man. You've changed. You've sold yeah. out. What was it like from the perspective of how the other half lives? You know what, right? I've got to admit, I absolutely had a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was free champagne all day, free lager, nice foods. This was a complimentary ticket. So, yeah, and nice comfy seats. Funnily enough, me and my mate Mark, who sat next to uh, David Badil, who's obviously a well-known Chelsea fan. So that added another layer to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, when as James sort of described there, with all the injuries that Liverpool had, I did think when the three players went on, I thought only the only team in the world that can win this game from this position would be Liverpool. So I didn't give up all hope because I suppose on the club, they made a dream of the impossible. And there was a little thing in the back of my mind just saying, I still think Liverpool are going to win this somehow because Chelsea was so bad as well. Chelsea were absolutely atrocious. I'd honestly say that it was one of the worst cup final performances by any team that I've ever seen, given what they had to play against. That doesn't underplay how how sort of fearless um how much courage Liverpool showed and how well organized they remained despite all the, the, the changes to the team. But uh yeah it was a great day the uh, the cheese board at the end of the game, <laughs> Tony. Uh, I, I thought that I thought it couldn't get any better, but then they started bringing out mountains of brilliant and blue cheese. What a day. Uh, you know, and I'm reliably informed, James, that there's been a transfer request put in uh, to the Athletic to take Sai away to a, a, a different pod with his new mate, David Badil. <laughs> you know, can you imagine how funny that would be? Actually, I'm going to tell a quick David Badil story here. Um, when I was uh, at the Times, so back in 2005, I was deputy football editor, and I went to an awards dinner. And David Badil was there, and we were all standing around by the bar talking, and David Badil was behind me back, and I was engaged with someone else, but I could hear him talking to the sports editor, and it was between the first and second leg of the semi-final to go to Istanbul, and David Badil said to the sports editor, just as I was disengaging from my conversation, he said, you know, will you, will you send me to Istanbul? He goes, you know, because I'm really keen on it. And my first interaction with David Badil was coming from the side and saying, what makes you think Chelsea are going to Istanbul? <laughs> I've got to say, Tony, I've got to say, he, he was far more gracious 
uh, on Sunday. He sort of forlornly trudged out to the ground, muttering to my friend that it, Liverpool deserved to win the game. He seemed like a nice guy to me. Yeah, he yeah. Right. No, he is, he is. And, like, you know, it's just one of those things where, in these circumstances, let's face it, we're going to have fun at Chelsea fans' expense, haven't we? <laughs> and I, I agree completely with what Sai said, James, that Chelsea were really, really bad, and they were let down by their senior players the way we weren't. Um, but that doesn't take away from it. I mean, there was a moment on those 87th minute substitutions where I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, if this was a league game, you'd be thinking, he's given these kids a couple of minutes of experience. You know, it's, uh, you know, there'll be maybe six or seven minutes they have to get through and that's fine. But wasn't the chasm of extra time was yawning in front of us with at the end potential penalties. And Jürgen's a bit like, yeah, go on, lads, go and sort it. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I know you could argue in a way that it was forced on him because of the situation with the injuries, but I I still think a lot of managers would have persevered with tired senior pros without rather than been brave and bold like like Klopp was because especially let's not forget you know Bobby Clark had you know played I think before last month he'd played two senior games. One was for a couple of minutes off the bench against Bournemouth um, right at the start of last season. You know, he's since clocked up, I think, seven appearances since the turn of the year, but all off the bench. Young kid who only just, just turned 19. You know, he ends up playing, must have been 50 minutes when you think of coming on with Connor. I think he was about 20 minutes left at normal time when he comes on for Connor Bradley. And so, yeah, and then, as you said, you know, over half an hour for the likes of, you know, James McConnell, you know, the, you know, Kwanzaa, of course, comes on. You, you know, Jaden Dans is what you know. What a story that is. I mean, the fact that you know Jaden Dans, you know, eighteen-year-old boy. You know, I'm sure a lot of Liverpool fans probably didn't even know what he looked like a week ago because you know he, he's only he's he's the one that's only been relatively recently training with the senior squad. Of course, he only played what two minutes of 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 that game against Luton in midweek. That was his senior debut. Yeah, you know, that for the for Klopp to have the faith and the trust to to throw him on like that, and suddenly he's leading the line in a major final like that to me is just absolutely unprecedented. But the the beauty of it is Klopp seems to be able to like give these boys the belief that you know because he always talks them up. It's like he makes them almost believe that they belong at that level, and and there is that close kind of unity and spirit that you know just seems to bring out the best in whoever whoever he, he throws on in that that particular moment so yeah it's it's testament to the the guys at the academy as well for the job that they've done because that that was extraordinary when you think you know you had Connor Bradley of course starting the game and then for Clark McConnell Kwanzaa and Dance to play such a big part as well that's why you know people will scoff when Klopp said this is the most special trophy I've ever won but that's what he was referring to, isn't it? Because the circumstances were absolutely unique. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. Say, I remember talking to Klopp and talking about kids and young players. And he said to me, he said, he said, if you're going to put them on a bench, you need to be able to use them. You have to use them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, lots of managers pay lip service to it. And then when the time comes, they fall back on senior players because they fear inexperience. Well, you know, it's um, I, I looked at it on, on Sunday and I thought, well, you know, maybe I should have listened more intently to him. I mean, I, I thought what was interesting from my lovely position in Club Wembley, Tony, I could see everything that was going on. And Klopp and Pep Linders, a few minutes before the three players came on, were deep in discussion. They spoke about, they must have been speaking about whether to do this or, you know, exactly who to use because it, it, the discussion went on for a fair chunk of time. I think, the, you know, I don't know, maybe Klopp's explained differently to the press afterwards. I don't know, but it seemed because like... you were too busy swigging champagne. No, not, not swigging, glugging I champagne. I was actually busy watching what was going on at this moment, to be fair. So I, I thought that was quite interesting that clearly, you know, they did give it some thought. I, I think that the, the big thing really, and um, this is where you've got to give certainly Klopp a lot of credit, is that the way the Liverpool team under him has played over a long period of time now hasn't... I know it's evolved in the last few years, you know, with Trent sweeping into midfield. and But largely, you know, the responsibilities of the players is the same from first team level or, you know, through into academy. They might not play the same football all the time, but I just think it's it's real basic things with Liverpool, which makes it slightly easier. Well, I don't want to say easier, but it makes it an increased possibility the players will progress. You know, stuff like gagging pressing is is code for hard, bloody hard work in a tactical fashion. So straight away, you're getting players to buy into the work ethic, aren't you? And I think what really, really impressed me was the young players. The oysters with your champagne. That's what really impressed yeah. you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the young players tactically did a job on Chelsea. Mm. You know, but I thought Dan's, as soon as he came on, occupied the two centre-halves and didn't let them play out that much. I thought Bobby Clark always was in the right position. So when you've got that identity, and all the managers and people talk about that identity, but you could see that identity in the players stepping up. They might not have been quite as big or maybe quite as quick as the players, you know, the senior players, but they knew exactly what they were meant to be doing while they were on the pitch. I think that just just massively, massively helps that 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 sort of uh, progression from the lower level uh, to the, from the youth levels into the first team. Yeah, and, and it was particularly pronounced, the the identity. Sometimes we scoff at the idea of identity by seeing the Chelsea team completely lacked identity. You know, it's um, they had no idea what they were doing. And James, the sense of purpose and the sense of awareness of what the manager wanted, it sort of jumped off the pitch at you. I mean, the first substitution, I'm looking at it, and oh, what's going to happen? Oh, he's put Joe Gomez on. 
Oh, I wonder what shape we're going to have here. Are we going to go to five at the back? You know, let's be... No, let's just push the kids up into midfield. Let's, you know, send them a chill well there frequently their most effective player and you know let's let him let him get into an altercation with them it'll be great yeah i love that with connor bradley it, it just epitomized what he's all about didn't he? he just kind of seemed to laugh in the face of ben chilwell who was trying to get a rise out of him that moment kind of just showed you know how fearless these kids are you know they they're, why would you be in awe of of anything you were up against at wembley on sunday they 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 have that belief that you know, the the manager be- believes in them and that they've got it in them to perform at that level. And yeah, when you think what well, Connor Bradley p- find himself playing right right at the front three after the loss of uh, Gravenberg and you obviously Elliot had to slot into midfield with Gomez at, at right back. So it was remarkable when, in, in extra time at, when you thought surely everything pointed to Chelsea coming on strong. Liverpool were, were so so superior. You think about, you know, Elliot hit the post, didn't he? You had, you know, Dan's had that header tipped over, could easily could easily have got the winner himself before Van Dyke scored. But yeah, Clark and McConnell, especially, I just thought they were just so calm and composed, always demanding the ball, always available, always using it intelligently. And it was quite baffling sat there listening to Pochettino afterwards talking about how we really hoped we might be able to get through to penalties. And it's like, like what? Like literally Chelsea, you know, they're throwing on Mudrick. What was he, 80 million? You know, I think, I think I added, I think they Chelsea chucked on about 150, 160 million pounds worth of substitutes. You know, it's quite remarkable that that was their mindset. But yeah, Liverpool were just, it was, you know, and I think you'd have to name check as well the, the importance of the fans on the day because there was that little period where Ale 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 must have rang out for two three minutes. It felt like it was probably even longer than that. It was. It wasn't just on the pitch that Liverpool dominated that extra time period. It was off it in terms of the the soundtrack as well. No mercy I was. I just thought of John Lennon famously at the Palladium when he said, "Those in the cheap seats can clap, and those in the uh, those in the boxes can rattle the jewels." Were you rattling your jewels while they were singing? Say, I, I was too busy eating egg and crash sandwiches. Telling you why <laughs> I was, it was going on. No, I mean the, the convenience element of uh, the seating plan was. It felt like I was almost in a Liverpool end because Club Wembley sort of sweeps you know, round the pitch almost. And we were, we were like right in the, well, not right in the Liverpool end, but like as close as you can get to the Liverpool end. So it, it felt like there was more of an atmosphere. I mean, I, I, the Chelsea were just so quiet and they, they bellowed out a couple of old tropes about Liverpool. And then that, that was about it really. But I I, I did feel that the, the, the sort of, any atmosphere was generated by, the Liverpool end, and it did give the players a bit of a kick, you know, and you could see it suddenly started running a bit faster. The players, particularly those who've been on the pitch for such a long time, uh, seemed to get a bit of energy from it. But yeah, it was, um, as I said at the beginning, I I sort of feel that the senior players really, really did step forward and, you know, Virgil van Dijk, Canate, Diaz as well. I thought Diaz led the fight well, you know, he kept going, kept going, Endo was excellent, and Harvey Elliott as well. I think he probably, in, in many ways, summed up the performance. Given that by the end, you know, his socks were rolled around his ankles, and you know, he could barely run. But it was incredible. It was incredible to watch. 
not as incredible as the prawns in the air on the on the fish. Platform. Well, I'm told that you were trying to sing, but you choked on your prawn and needed to be Heimlich by your good mate David Badil. <laughs> it is in my not a longer career than mine, but in my more than twenty years, easily the most special trophy I ever won. Let's talk about achievements. Let's talk about where this stands in the pantheon of Klopp achievements, you know, what he's done over the past eight and a half years. Personally, my point of view is his biggest achievement is to challenge Manchester City in an era when they were almost unchallengeable. But, James, where do you think this stands, Sunday? Uh, I mean, it is really difficult, isn't it, to rank these things because... Ultimately, it can't be at the top because Klopp has won the Champions League with Liverpool and he was the man that ended the 30-year wait for the Premier League title. Like For me, those achievements have to belong in a, in a higher bracket. And, and you know, the, the, the Champions League will always you know, resonate for me massively because of especially the near misses that Liverpool had had. And it felt so huge to have taken that final step and to win the biggest one of them all. But... But yeah, it, Sunday is it, it, it's just different, isn't it? Because it just because of the manner in which it was achieved, and you know, against the odds, in the face of adversity, you know, the fact it was Chelsea as well, you know, that that always makes it all the sweeter. And and I think it's well, it, it's that feeling of what it could do for the rest of the season. I think in a way, it's difficult to properly rank this one until we know like what kind of impact it has. You know, it, it for all we know, it could be. Um, obviously, I hope it's not, but it could be the last trophy of the Klopp era. You know, that is a possibility. Um, but it will look even bigger to have won it in that circumstances if it does act as a springboard to win, you know, the, the bigger prizes that Liverpool are chasing. You know, obviously, the Premier League title is is the biggest one, you know, then the Europa League, then the, then the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, it was... You know, obviously the adrenaline was still pumping, wasn't it, when Klopp said it was the most special one he'd ever won. But yeah, I don't think people should scoff at that because I think you, when you actually take a, a step back, you kind of think, well, I, I know where he's coming from. In the same way as, you know, liking him beating, beating Luton to to Barcelona in midweek, people will scratch their heads and go, well, hang on a minute. You know, that's that's not quite the, but quite the same. But I think it's because he knows that this almost unprecedented, really, period of one punishing injury setback after another, you know, could so easily have derailed this season. And also even, you know, losing to Chelsea, you know, how do you, you know, imagine what the mood would have been like doing this podcast now if, if Conor Gallagher, you know, his, his shot, it, 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 it got, had gone, hit the post and gone in rather than bounce back out. Or So it, he will know that that is huge, the fact that they're building off such an unbelievable injection of positivity at a really, really difficult time because of the injuries. Yeah, and say there's something that um, you know, something that was always really strong in the sort of Liverpool mentality over the years was you know what's the most important trophy, the next one. So you know you, you can kind of see you know the Klopp thing. This is the biggest one, but um, what's your view of this as as an achievement? Well, I always tend to look back into deep time. And I, I think the first season getting the team of players that he had to two finals, people forget what an achievement that was. I know they didn't they didn't win, but they they, they missed out narrowly in, in 
in well, not in the UEFA, uh, the Europa League final, but you know, in a, in a different set of circumstances, they might they might have won it. I always think that was a big achievement. I think as a one-off result, the only match you can compare it to would be the Barcelona game. To say it's a, a bigger achievement as a result in the circumstances of everything that was going on. You know, Liverpool, let's not, Liverpool were, were three goals behind to Barcelona, essentially at half-time, weren't they? You know, and had injuries to contend with with the best players. They had injuries in the middle of the game to contend with. Okay, they had more experience on the pitch, but they were playing against Messi. <laughs> you know, the, the last, the last, the last, and Messi at the time was still the greatest player in the world, as had been proven, you know, a week earlier in the new company, put that free kick past Alison Becker. So I think in terms of improbability, you would say Sunday was on a par, maybe just because of just because of the absentees. But then you weigh in the Chelsea factor, the fact that okay, they played a bit better the last few weeks, but they're dysfunctional. You know, they've got a lack of leadership in the team, that they played so appallingly on the day. I would argue that Barca actually played okay at Anfield as well. That's the mad thing. They, I wouldn't say they, they played that badly. They just got absolutely... Well, they could have put the tie to bed, couldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the Messi, I would say, was amazing on the night and they didn't play that badly. It's just Liverpool. Just, I don't know. It was. I still can't really find the words to sort of describe what happened there. So... I can understand why Klopp said it because I think what it also does is adds another layer to the story, you know, with the players who are involved, you know, the young players. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before, as we said, James has said earlier in the podcast, to have a a team on the pitch at the end of that game that actually managed to win it in 120 minutes rather than taking it to, to penalties. I don't think that that will happen ever again. Not just well in English football or any level of senior football, having that amount of players out and the number of young, inexperienced players with barely any minutes on the pitch before. I've just never seen that before. Can you think of is, is it happens happened elsewhere? I don't I don't think it has. Well, Arsene Wenger put out a uh, a weakened team, didn't he? Back in was it two thousand seven against Chelsea, and you know they, they got. You know, they got beaten because they didn't have the experience and that. So I think it's um no, I I, I can't see anyone going into a final unless they, they're really, really desperate and taking their approach to it. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Talking about where it ranks in the achievements is one thing. Well, I think the thing we care about now most is what happens next, James, and how bad are the injuries? We've got the FA Cup tie against Southampton coming, the Europa League coming up, and of course, we're still top of the division, the Premier League. Go on, tell us, tell us what happens next, and tell us, tell us something positive, tell us we're going to win the lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think what happens next will hinge a lot on getting some bodies back because I think the way that the the schedule is now it is pretty relentless, isn't it? With you know every every three or four days now through to the international break and then and then straight after the international break it's going to be like that for the for the rest of the season. So you know obviously we're sat here talking a few hours before Klopp's press conference to preview the the, the FA Cup tie against Southampton, but. So we're still yet to get some clarity on the extent of Ryan Gravenberg's injury, but you know, unfortunately, you know, it would be a big, big surprise if that's not a couple of months because it's, it was a, it was a horrendous challenge from Caicedo and how you know I can kind of understand at the time Chris Kavanagh missing it because that happens in in games, but for me that's what VAR is there for, and, and you know the guidance was in the aftermath that VAR John Brooks felt it was careless rather than serious foul play. You know, I can't say I, I agree with that one. Um, and Klopp I, said I, they... I, I don't get what the difference is. You hate someone. No, exactly, exactly. And especially... If, it, if it's careless, right? If it's careless, you're out of control. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not yeah, controlling yeah. what you're doing. That's how you... Yeah. I, careless, I, I reckless. It make sense. Well, and, and I think... I, th- I think what's infuriating as well, isn't it, is you look at that one back, and that is a lot worse than Curtis Jones's against Tottenham earlier on in the season when Curtis Jones studs roll over the ball and he, he slips and ends up kind of almost kind of ju- just kind of tumbling into the Tottenham player. Whilst there was such force behind that from Caicedo, that was unbelievable. And, you know, you could see how furious Klopp and Linders were on the touchline because especially it was like that feeling of not another one. Like, you know, really, you know, that that, that, that increased up to 12 members of the senior squad missing. You know, I was in the mix zone late on Sunday when... Uh, Wataro Endo came through on crutches with his his foot in a protective boot. Although I know he told the Japanese media that was just purely precautionary. He, he, he twisted his ankles, so you'd like to think, you know, that there's not there's not too many concerns there. But um, yeah, the obviously the immediate priority is trying to field eleven against Southampton in the FA Cup because I think I think we'll see a very youthful team again. There's there's young players who were kind of they were who were around the squad on Sunday who didn't get on. Who I think wouldn't surprise me if we see Lewis Kumas and Trey and Yoni, who's they've got big big hopes for Yoni from you know, who signed in from Leicester at the last summer. Sixteen year old kid, really classy midfielder. Seen him play a bit for the 18s. Cade Gordon, who didn't make the bench as well. He's he's fit. So yeah, you'd you'd like to think that you know the fact that Salah Nunes and Zabozlai were regarded as as touch and go 
for last weekend should mean that, you know, either against Southampton or against Forest on the weekend, we should hopefully see them back in back involved. I mean, looking at the way that Darwin Nunes celebrated the uh, what final whistle going by hurtling those those hoardings. He didn't look like a man that's got too much of his rehab left to do. No, no. Simon, the other thing which I thought of at the weekend was a year ago, how we were feeling about the club, how were we feeling about the team and the future. And, you know, you talk about Klopp turning doubters into believers. Well, that's another brilliant example of it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to admit, I didn't really see a way out at that time. You know, I, I, I doubted whether, you know, Klopp had it in him again to sort of, A, make the decisions that needed to be made. You know, obviously, the players that, that did need to be moved on. I've got to admit, Saudi Arabian money came along quite handily for Liverpool. You know, I think everybody, most people were in agreement that Fabinho's time, sadly, was coming to an end. Liverpool got great money for him last summer and that obviously helped the budget um, and I, I I was wondering whether you know there's players like Virgil van Dijk I mean I've, I've got to admit like I, I thought van Dijk I, I doubted whether he, he could get back to those levels and I actually put that in an article which make, makes me look a bit stupid now because I think he's been um, he's been outstanding all season and that was uh, that was evidenced by how he performed on Sunday it wasn't just his performance but the the aggression and the leadership that he showed, you know, on another day, he might have, you know, well, I suppose if he just scored the first goal, it wouldn't have gone to extra time. So he wouldn't have had two, two goals. But I, I just thought it was no surprise to me that he was the one that jumped highest to score Liverpool's winner. He's actually, I would say, he's, he's playing possibly better than he was before the injury. Like, I just think he's been outstanding every game, even the ones where slightly disappointing games where like Arsenal or... You know, I suppose the results against Tottenham was disappointing, not the performance, but he's he's just been excellent. So he's rega- clearly regained his confidence. I think we probably saw him as a as a person who didn't maybe suffer from confidence, but I think you can tell now he's just confident with that responsibility. He's he's been immense for Liverpool, uh, so that has to be said. So yeah, I mean, the thing is, I suppose it has happened before, hasn't Liverpool went from being champions to being really struggling to get into the Champions League to then getting into the Champions League to then getting to the final. So you can't be too surprised. But when it happens sort of twice, uh, you know, it's quite emotionally quite difficult to get your head around and and and, and difficult to to sort of see a way forward to, to, to some degree. Uh, you think you can't do it again. You wonder what next season will be like if, if Klopp was, was sticking around. But um, yeah, I, I just think that, that the performance of every player on Sunday was... A reflection, really, of the confidence that exists at Liverpool. You know, I think the managers regained his confidence. If he had any doubt whatsoever, I think the coaching staff have. I think all the players have. You know, and they, they dug in and and got what I think they, they absolutely deserved. Yeah, James. If you're Southampton, what are you thinking coming up to Anfield? Do you think, oh, we've caught them having a good time. They've got injuries. They'll be, you know, they've been celebrating. Or do you think gulp? Um, well, it, you know what? It's going to be interesting isn't it, to see how they they play it because they they've actually had a bit of a bit of a wobble themselves recently, Southampton, in terms of their their promotion hope. So, you know, on the face of it, you know, the immediate thought would be they probably should be licking their lips, thinking that this is the perfect time to be coming to Anfield. But I just wonder whether you know part of their mindset would be 
that they have got bigger fish to fry themselves. I think they're they're five points off the automatic promotion places in the championship. Obviously, getting back to the top flight is by far and away their overwhelming priority. So it'll be interesting to see how how they approach it. But yeah, it is it's gonna be one of those nights where it's gonna to have to take a big, big collective effort from from the fans, I think, as as much as those on the on the pitch as well. Because um yeah, there's I mean there's gonna be some lads who obviously played 120 minutes that are probably gonna be asked to be asked to go again and that's that's no no easy feat. I mean it was it was telling how speaking to Harvey Elliott, Andy Roberts and Joe Gomez afterwards they loved the celebrations on the pitch in the dressing room, the 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 dancing around to Dua Lipa and all the rest of it. But it was by the time we spoke to them, they were all like in the mindset of right Wednesday night against Southampton. It was past their bedtime. <laughs> well, it was. It, it's just it, there's just especially with the 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 timing of it. There's just no time, is there, to like to properly celebrate an achievement like like Sunday? They were you know flying straight back up from Luton to Liverpool. They were back at the AXA on on Monday morning and very much a case of trying to rest and recover and then see who's standing and who's who's able to to play a part against against Saints. So um that's that's the thing now. It, it, you just you just have to try and build on it, don't you? You have to try and maintain this momentum, which which isn't easy when you know ideally Klopp would be making probably seven, eight, nine, even ten changes in a normal scenario, going from the Carabao Cup to an FA Cup tie at home to a second tier team. But, you know, he's not going to be able to do that. The get the, the City game's a week on Sunday, isn't it? Am I right in saying? So that mm. is that is the game that they have to target to have as many players as fit as possible, really, and hope that they sort of get through Forest away. You know And then you got you got Sparta Prague then, haven't Sparta, you? Sparta I mean I, I don't want to sound like negative around, but I, I almost think that the cups now you've almost got to give or take and just hope that you might get through with a bit of luck. Because the problem is now the players who would ordinarily be maybe featuring in some of the cup competitions are going to have to play in the league game. So even the the backups aren't in theory going to get that much of a rest, you know. So this is the problem they have to deal with. My my preference would always be the league. I think they've got to go for the league. And just have as many players available for that for that City game because you've got City and then you've got Everton away. Now I know it's still Everton, it's still a Merseyside derby. Liverpool have drawn at Goodison Park in 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 previous, you know, I think it was 20, uh, 2018, 19. That was that was where the, the last drop points. I'm sure the Evertonians would be delighted to to sort of to try and scupper Liverpool's plans. You know, obviously the, the points mean everything to them at the moment. So they're the two games for me over the next month that you've got to find a way to get as many of your most experienced players on the pitch. It's, it's arguably the biggest challenge of the Klopp era, getting players and getting a team out for each game that is capable of getting the result that Liverpool needs because they've got 12, you know, 12 players out. That's that's even worse than, you know, the, the defensive injury crisis that they had a couple of years ago. And then try, trying to go for not just the league, but the, the you know the Europa League, which I think ordinarily everybody would be saying they can win that, they can win that. But I think it's going to be very hard from here for Liverpool to do that. They might be able to get one of them, but they'd have to focus all the energies on on them because I think Klopp is obviously he's he's an amazing manager, but 
to see your way through the two toughest months of the season with all those injuries, that would strike as his biggest achievements ever, definitely, no doubt, if, if he gets there. And when you when you consider all the, the absentees, I think it just makes you appreciate how incredibly fortunate Liverpool are to have such an, an accomplished backup goalkeeper in Quivine Kelleher because... No, we, we haven't talked about about him up to now on the pod, but you know he absolutely immense at Wembley on Sunday. I mean that save from Cole Palmer in the first half was up there with anything you'll see all season. Same in the second half, so quick and alert to come out and narrow the angle to to deny Conor Gallagher in in the way he did. Um, and we we didn't need his heroics on penalties this time around. But um, yeah, with Allison missing until after the March international break. I mean, usually that would be such a big talking point without the best goalkeeper in the world as you're, you're going toe-to-toe with City and, and Arsenal for the Premier League title. But um, Kelleher, you know, backup goalkeepers don't get any better than him. And it certainly paid off turning down all the interest in him in in last summer and in January when Forrest were willing to pay £15 million because his value to Klopp and Liverpool is much, much more than that. Well, I'll say the one thing... Klopp has proved throughout his whole career. And the one thing, being a Liverpool fan, is that remarkable things happen to us as a club and a fan base. And you know what? I have a feeling that there's more remarkable stuff to come in the, in the next couple of months before Jürgen Klopp leaves us. Well, that's it from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James and Simon for joining me. And for you, the listeners... James will be back with At The Match on Saturday after the visit to Nottingham Forest. And we'll be back in another week with Walk On. And by then, we may well be advancing another cup and surging forward in the league. Let's hope so. The Athletic.